your source for Christian apologetics, prophecy, theology, and current events. From a Christian perspective and with a biblical worldview, here's your host, Luke Beats. Hello. Uh, welcome to Wake the Bride podcast. My name is Luke Beats. In Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 12, the Apostle Paul states, And that knowing the time, that it is now high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. It is my goal to help stir a sleeping church and motivate weary believers by looking at current events, Bible prophecy, and apologetics. Hopefully, by the end of each episode, we can better see as Jesus did in John 4:35, when he said, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. For they are white, all ready to harvest. I want to get back to um, a series I had started. uh, And then with all the craziness that's happened this summer. um, And all the life change that we have done. With uh, quitting our job, going full time uh, with ministry. Especially going on to college campuses. uh, Which I would covet your prayers in that. Um, And then with me cutting my hand and really cutting my fingers off and just... (laughs) This has been a crazy year, uh, but we had started a um, series on things to come. And I want to pick back up uh, where we had left off. Now, if if you're like, whoa, we're kind of starting in the middle here, then go back. I want to say it's not the last episode we did. The last episode we did last week would have been about... Um, uh, the way that your end time beliefs, especially as it relates to the coming of the Lord, how that affects you. Um, but th- I think this would have been the one right before that uh, would have been part one. But I want to pick up here at where we had left off. We stopped last time with the seven year uh, tribulation. I'm not going to get into that so much. It will come up a little, but I want to pick up uh, with in the future things that will happen biblically one of those is going to be that at the midpoint of the tribulation at that mid midpoint there right in the middle there is going to be the breaking of the peace treaty now before i get into that i really need to back up um I didn't even think about that, but I need to back up because at some point before the middle of the tribulation, there is going to be a third Jewish temple built. Now, it may not be a temple in the same sense of like Solomon's temple or Herod's temple. It um, could simply be a tabernacle. Uh, There is talk of uh, with different archaeological discoveries, things that um, they found, especially recently, that they could have pretty much a good pattern, which they already have it in Scripture, of the uh, ancient tabernacle that they would have used in the wilderness. So it's possible that they could build what they would call a temporary structure 
that they would use to do their sacrifices, to uh, reinstate animal sacrifice, things they could use to, uh, I guess you could say, jumpstart the ancient Jewish sacrificial system. Now, there will be some very specific things about this. The Bible describes it as having an outer court, an inner court. It describes it as having the holy place. Um, so there will be some specifics. It isn't just going to be like one tent. Um, it's not what I'm saying, like just a little tent you'd go camping in. No, no, there will be divisions in it as there were in Old Testament times. But there will be that, there will be that third temple built. Now, will it be built during the tribulation? I don't know. The Bible really does not give us that detail. It does say, and we'll look at it in just a second, it does say there will be a temple. There has to be for some of the things to take place that are going to take place. Um, let's look at it real quick. Yeah, and, and we're going to look at this some of this a second time in just a moment. Uh, but that's okay. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. You're going to see the Bible says there, uh, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and, the man of, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now I do want to push pause for just a second. Because there is a lot of confusion that goes on here. Um, this is not saying that the man of sin has to be revealed before the return of Christ. Um, I would say, anyway, it you know, give a lot of opinion on it. Um, the reason I would point to that. And I guess I would give my opinion a little bit. So I guess that's what I do on this show. Anyway, um, I'm going off track. You're going to notice right here where it says the day of Christ is at hand. When it, uh, this, The usage there. And I'm brushing up on this as I'm actually saying it. But the word there for Christ. Uh, let me check. Because I don't want to just say something. I'm fairly confident. I'm going to say this correct, but if memory serves me while I'm rapidly going to my uh, Greek text to make for sure that I'm going to tell you this correct, and I'm going to lose my place right there, that's okay. Um, yes, here we go. That word for Christ that is used there is the word, can also be the word Lord. Um, so it can be that it is saying that the day of the Lord or the day before the day of the Lord happens, the man of sin will be revealed before the day of the Lord happens. Their uh, um, great falling away will happen. Now, really the day of the Lord, man, this is a huge topic. And I really did not mean to get onto this. Uh, that's what I get for thinking on my feet. But, um, <laughs> uh oh, uh, the day of the Lord is a huge topic, and really it covers, it would encompass the uh, rapture, it would encompass the great tribulation, it would, um, it would involve all of the judgments, it is a 
huge time frame, but it's also a specific day. It's kind of like where Jesus uh, tells the disciples that the hour uh, in the Gospels, they're going to Jerusalem, and he said that the hour of his um, suffering had come. Uh, he also mentioned at one point the hour of his being glorified had come. Now, he did not literally in that same time frame, we do the same thing in our day, but he did not literally mean that, hey, I'm going to be crucified right now. No, it would have been a few days. What he was saying was the time period, the period of time in which I'm going to be crucified, the period of time which I'm going to suffer, the period of time in which I will get glory. Because... He was glorified in that, in the sense that now there are many, that that's the only way of salvation. And people come to Christ through that and he receives glory. But also in that, he was um, ascended up to the Father and he sits on the right hand of the Father uh, and he's glorified. As Jesus, himself said, as Jesus himself said, glorify me with the glory that I had when I, you know, from the beginning of time and I was with you. And I'm paraphrasing that scripture right there, I'll be honest. Um, I, that's not in my notes, so I'm see I'm, I'm on a rabbit trail, and it's not working out. Uh, I'm, I don't want to get into all of the different ins and outs of the day of the Lord, but it does bear talking about for just a minute. In the same sense, there is the concept that the day of the Lord is broad. It's a broad time period. It covers all of the time of judgment, which would be the seven-year tribulation. But at the same time, it also culminates at the second coming of Christ when he comes in judgment on those who are attacking Israel and to set up his kingdom. So there is a broad scope of the day of the Lord, which covers that seven-year period and the rapture. Um, we talked about people escaping, but anyway, I'm not getting into that. Don't get any further into the weeds, Luke. Um, but it also covers that specific time period where he comes back. Uh, and we do the same thing in our day. We'll talk about, um, uh, you know, we we will use time frames and that would seem to be very specific. But yet, we will stretch them out. Like we'll say we're going to spend the day doing such and such um when really we're going to spend a part of the day doing that now we're going to do it on that day but we're not going to do it literally all day but we same way with the bible they would use time frames at times not always and generally it's pretty obvious whenever that's happening um but anyway let's get back on the track right here because man you could go a long time on just that just that one thought time and prophecy Anyway, um, so at some point before the before uh, the midpoint of the tribulation, there will be a third temple built. Now we're not just seeing that there, uh, not just in Thessalonians where it talks about the man of sin. He goes into the temple of God. He proclaims himself to be God, but you're also going to see this in Daniel. You're going to see. Uh, in Daniel 9.27, we already looked at this a little bit, the confirming of the covenant or the peace treaty. But you're going to notice we're going to pick up at the middle point here where it says, And in the midst of the week he shall cause a sacrifice and oblation to cease. The Jews do, did their sacrifices in the temple. 
So if they are, and the reason they don't do sacrifice now for a couple of reasons. One, they haven't had a red heifer uh, in order to purify the different um, implements of the temple. They have to have that. Uh, they have to have a perfectly red heifer, no white hairs on it. And they have to have that in order to purify the um, the altars, the temple itself, the um, different things that they'll use in the sacrifices. To they, they have to have that that to sacrifice in order to purify. And they haven't had that yet. Um, so there will be a third temple. Let me give you one more place, just real quick. That was in Daniel chapter nine, verse twenty-seven. But look also. So we're to Daniel 11. You're going to see in Daniel 11, the Bible says right here in verse 31, and we're going to look at some of these verses again in a minute, but that's okay. And it says, um, we're going to go back to verse 29. At the time appointed, about the Antichrist, he shall return and come toward the south, but it shall not be as the former or as the latter, for the ships of Chittim shall come against him. Therefore shall he be grieved and return and have indignation against the holy covenant. So shall he did I just, against the holy covenant, so shall he do. For he shall even return and have intelligence with them that forsake the holy covenant, and arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice. Now, if you'll notice that, there's again the mention during the tribulation of this sanctuary, the place where they do the daily sacrifice. Um, just as a side note, a lot, sometimes, every time I've ever heard either an all-millennialist or a post-millennialist talk about Daniel chapter 9 they will point right here to what I just read Daniel 9 27 and they will make the point that's the one who in the middle of the week they'll tie all of this to Christ um, because it does talk about Christ in Daniel 9 20 in Daniel chapter 9 it talks about um, go back to 26 and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off but not for himself and the people of the prince that shall come. Now they will tie that. Let's go back just a little bit. Um, they will tie that. And I'm sorry if y'all can tell that I, my nose is a little stuffy. Um, they're going to tie that back. Oh, da, 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 da. They'll tie that back to earlier in Daniel chapter 9. When it talks about. Let's see. 70 weeks. Prince, there we go. Uh, they'll tie that back to Daniel nine twenty five, saying, "Know therefore and understand, for the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the Prince shall be seven weeks." So say, "Hey, there's one Prince mentioned there," and then they'll go down uh, to verse number twenty six, and it'll say, "And the people of the Prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with flood, be with the flood, in the end." Unto the end of war and desolations are determined. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And what they'll do is they will do no cross-reference. 
And they'll take that and say, there's the prince is the Messiah. There's the prince again. He's going to come. He's going to be cut off. He's going to be killed. He's going, and his death is going to result in the sacrifice and oblation to cease. And then they'll go on, and it says, and for the overspreading of, of abominations, he shall make it desolate. Now, see, see there is Daniel, there, I mean, not Daniel, there is um, AD 70, the destruction of the temple, and destruction of Israel, and the destruction of Jerusalem, all right there. But the problem comes in. The problem with this view is when you do cross-reference. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 11. And I wasn't going to do this, but we are here. So it. I think it's good to see why we would disagree with that and why the Bible does not teach that. You're going to notice in verse 31, where we already read, and it says, An arm shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice. So this is the same thing. But do you notice what it said right there? And they shall pollute the sanctuary. Jesus had no sin. He was sitting, and this is not the only thing. Well, there's another thing I want to point out at the very end of this verse, but that's okay. Um, Jesus did nothing whatsoever at all to pollute anything. You're also going to notice in the verse before when it talks about that he is going to work with those who forsake the Holy Covenant to do this. This doesn't fit with Christ. But I would say the strongest argument is at the end of the verse when it says, And shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. Now Jesus mentions this also. And he says, When you see the abomination of desolation uh, spoken of by Daniel the prophet that at that time you're to flee that did not happen Jesus did not put any type of abomination he had nothing he, he was not abominable at all he was sinless he was perfect so to say that that is talking about Christ in Daniel chapter 9 you are whew, you're putting some pretty bad things on Christ. I mean, you're saying that he set up the abomination of desolation. You're saying that he polluted uh, the sanctuary. You're saying that he went with those who forsook the Holy Covenant. It just don't fit. A lot of times, if people will do cross-reference, it would clear up a lot. And I've spent so much time on this first point, and I'm so sorry. Um, let's go back. Let's get back on track. Man, you, I love Bible prophecy. There is so much richness and so much meat there. I mean, it is just, anyway, it's awesome. I love it. Um, so there will be a third Jewish temple built. There has to be one built for the Antichrist to go into. There has to be one built for the abomination of desolation to be placed. There has to be one built for the Antichrist to go into at the midpoint and declare himself to be God and to do what we're fixing to get to. Um now, it's also at this midpoint of the tribulation that you are going to see. Well, hang on, let's back up just for a second. How do we know that at the midpoint that the treaty will be broken? Well, we already read it, so I'm not going to take a lot of time uh, to look at it again. But we already read it in um, 
first off, you see it, and I'm just where I'm at. So in Daniel 11 and 30, uh, Daniel 11, it talks about that he is going to return and have indignation against the Holy Covenant or against the Covenant. He is going to return, and he's going to pollute the, the sanctuary of strength. He's going to take away the daily sacrifice. So you see, um, you see that there is something that happens at some point. How do we know it's a midpoint? I'll show you that in just a second. That something happens that whereas he had promised so much peace to the Jews, they're able to do their sacrifices again, they are doing their sacrifices, and at some point he comes in and comes in and says, Stop everything. Uh, you'll see this that it is the midpoint very clearly in Daniel 9.27, where we already read it, where it says, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, for seven years. And in the midst of the week, so it's a three and a half year point, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Now, oh man, I'm so sorry about my nose, y'all. Um, some people will try and say, well, you don't know that it's the exact midpoint. You, you can't pin that down. Well, actually, you can. Let's go over here to the book of Revelation. And you're going to notice, this is something we dealt with last week. Uh, but I want to deal with it again. Not deal with it again, but I want to notice this again. You're going to see in Daniel 11, not Daniel, oh, Revelation chapter 11. I see Daniel right above this. That's why I said that. Uh, Revelation chapter 11, where it talks about the third temple, but the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles. And the holy city shall be tread underfoot forty and two months, which would be uh, seven years. But anyway, um, and I will give power that don't sound right. That's not seven years. No, that's three and a half years. Huh. As soon as I said that, my brain was like, no, you did that wrong. Luke 7 times 12 is not 42. Oh, man. Anyway, um, I, I got seven years in my brain. It's three and a half years. And I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth with a Jewish calendar of 360 days, that is exactly three and one half years. Now, what this is dealing with right here is the two are the two witnesses, um, and that they are going to be in Jerusalem. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. They are going to be in Jerusalem. They will prophesy for three and a half years. Um, now then. Let's go down here. So there's the first three and a half years. Then you go down to Revelation chapter 12. And there's so much imagery there, but we're not going to deal with that. We're going to jump down to verse number to chapter 12. We're going to go down to verse number 5 and 6. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had the place prepared of God that they should feed her a thousand two hundred and three score days. So once again, you see that for the first thousand, twelve hundred, what is that? We're at a thousand, two hundred, so yeah, twelve hundred and sixty days. You see that at, the, that at first, at first twelve hundred and sixty, the Jews were at relative peace. The Antichrist is not attacking. The Antichrist is not um, coming after them. 
they have their peace treaty, but at the middle, after 1260 days, the two witnesses are killed by the Antichrist. The Antichrist comes up, declares himself to be God. He attacks the woman. He attacks um, Israel. He attacks them. And in doing so, she flees into the wilderness. Now, I, I want to read a little bit that we did not see, uh, that I didn't have on there. Um, we saw in verse 6, okay, then it says, And there was war in, in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. And he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives unto death, neither, I'm sorry, loved not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice ye, o ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time and when the woman saw I'm sorry and when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man child and the woman and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. Once again, two, a time would be a year. Times would be two years. So there's three and a half of times. For three and a half years, she is nourished in the wilderness. Um, and then you're going to see, and I'm trying not to lose my place here. Uh, I just had my Bible open. Where she's already have time and times and half a time. From the face of the serpent. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman. That he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Talking about persecution. And the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. Now here's what I want you to notice. The last verse of this chapter. And the dragon was wroth with the woman. He was angry with Israel. And went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I just shut my Bible and I didn't mean to do that. That's okay, though. Um, so did you notice that second half, just as Daniel said, at that second half, of the tribulation, Israel goes from having a covenant with the Antichrist to the Antichrist, breaks his peace treaty, breaks his covenant, and goes to war with Israel. So we see a lot of things happen at this midpoint, and I have probably spent way too much time on this point. You could really do, because of everything that happens, you could really do it. And I probably am going to do the entire episode just on this one point, this midpoint of the tribulation. But there's so much that happens. You have the, the temple that has to be built before it. You have the breaking of the peace treaty. And then the thing that really grabs people's attention is the fact that there will be, at this point, this is where the mark of the beast is instituted. Now, you'll notice this. Let's jump back over here to our Bible. 
You're going to notice in uh, Revelation chapter 13, right after it says he goes to make war, right after that, you see uh, in Daniel chapter 13, and I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his uh, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth the mouth of a lion. Excuse me. Uh, and his mouth uh, as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him power, gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Now we have spent um, a couple of episodes dealing with the Antichrist. And this is clearly dealing, and really if you go back, into Daniel, you'll see this is uh, kind of almost like a gathering of the nations that he speaks of and of the different beasts and pulling them all together into one. But and that deals also with things in Revelation when it talks about the kings and the eight and one being of the seven, but we're not going to get into that. Man, there's so much here. You could, anyway, I love Bible prophecy. Man, I love it. It, uh, anyway, anyway, um, and the dragon gave, said all that to say, you'll notice as the dragon gives him his power and authority, which is consistent with everywhere that the Antichrist is mentioned, or the man of sin, because technically the word Antichrist is mentioned in 1 John, um, and it talks about who's an Antichrist, the one that denies uh, that Jesus, uh, the spirit of Antichrist is the spirit that denies that Jesus came in the flesh, but you'll also notice at the beginning of that, and again, people who would be all me on postman will say, see, that's not talking about a specific one, but John, before that does say, you have heard that Antichrist shall come. And then he says, and there are many Antichrists. We know it's the end times because there's many Antichrists and the spirit of Antichrist already worked. And then he tells who the spirit of Antichrist is. Um, so anyway, so this would be that man of sin, the one, the prince spoken of in Daniel 9. And in all of those places, it speaks of the fact that Satan empowers this individual. But let's keep going. And I saw one of his heads as it, was, as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Unto the beast, and who is able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him, listen to this, to continue forty and two months. The Antichrist, though he is on the scene at the beginning of the tribulation, he does not consolidate his power until that last three and a half years. He's fighting wars. He is taking control. He's using flattery to gain power. He is doing uh, peace treaties with Israel. I mean, he is doing a lot of things that first three and a half years to consolidate power. But that last three and a half years, he rules on earth. Now you're going to notice um, verse 6. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and, now listen to this again, his tabernacle in them that dwell in heaven. Again, you've got a temple. Again, you have got this beast that is blasphemy. And I would say this is more than just the temple on earth. I would say this is talking about the, um, the, the heaven where the saints will be at this point, those who have made the rapture. 
Um, and it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of the of book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. There's a huge thing I can get into right there, but I'm not going to stay on track. And if any man if any man have an ear, let him hear. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and faith of the saints. Now, we're gonna you're gonna notice that there's another beast that comes up in the very next verse, and you're gonna start to see how these two work together. We've dealt with this before. But I want you, we're trying to get down to a specific thing. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast. So this would be a false religious system. This would be the false prophet that it's spoken of in all through Revelation. Um, but listen to what he does. He causes everyone to worship the beast whose wound was healed. And he doth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down uh, from heaven on the earth in the sight of men and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth. And by, by means of those miracles which he hath power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image. Again, this is that false prophet. As many as do not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark. There's that mark. In their right hand or in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is six hundred, three score, and six. So, I want to jump over to Revelation chapter 14. Just one more quick thing. Um, in the third, verse 9, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast in his image, and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink the wine. I'm throw a mark there. The same shall drink the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture. And he talks about mixture because in the Old Testament prophets, they would say, Lord, in your judgment, remember mercy, or that God would mix grace with his wrath. In other words, it was redemptive. He poured out wrath to bring people, to, to bring Israel back to him. But in this, it says, this is pure wrath. There's, there's, I mean, once you take the mark of the beast, you're pretty much set at that point. But anyway, without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented about those who take the mark with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. They have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. So, the mark of the beast, it's not just 666, not just that. might not even have 666 on it. I don't know. But you'll notice 
that it says, and I put it down before I meant to, you'll notice that whenever it talks about it, it says, and that no man might buy or sell. <coughs> <coughs> so sorry uh, I've just uh, with the whole changing of everything and I've been mowing this week my sinuses are killing me yeah I didn't need to know that but anyway that no man might buy or sell save he that hath had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name so it would be one of three things there but you're also going to notice that tied in with that and you've seen it in chapter 14 and in chapter 13, you see it, that tied in with that is that there will be worship. It's not just that, hey, they're going to stamp your hand, okay, go buy and sell. No, they're putting you into a religious system, and you are worshiping. No one's going to be like, I didn't know. They'll make a conscientious choice to worship this entity. Um, now, I do want to point out real quick, there's a lot of people that are looking at the vaccine today, you know, the, um, oh, the, uh, COVID vaccine. And they're like, Hey, that's, that's the mark of the beast. I mean, because they're doing, uh, vaccine passports and some places they're saying you can't fly without it, without papers that show you've got it. Some places they're saying you can't even go to concerts or to venues. I believe in New York is one of the places that that's been said. I'm not saying, you know, yeah, or nay on it, but, um, you know, the faith said that that's going to happen. Um, I want to point out, I am not saying, I am I have not had the vaccine. I'll just be honest. I don't really feel like I need it. I mean, I don't get a flu shot. So why am I going to get this? I'm young. It, you know, doesn't really, my age bracket generally is, they have a pretty high 99 to 98% chance of recovery. I'm not telling anyone not to get the vaccine, and I'm not telling anyone to get the vaccine. You make your own choice. Look at the research. Go to the CDC. <clears throat> go to the FDA. Go to um, different places where you can see the side effects. You can see the benefits. You can see the pros and cons. Make your own choice. What I am saying is the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. It cannot be the mark of the beast. Um, biblically, before the mark of the beast is put out there, there will be a rapture. Biblically, before the mark of the beast happens, there will be two witnesses standing in Jerusalem being able to call down fire, being able to cause no rain on the whole earth. It will be very obvious when the tribulation starts. Some people make the argument and they'll say, well, you don't even know. You're not going to realize. No one's going to realize when the tribulation starts. Yeah, you will. Yes, you will. Whenever that peace treaty is signed, that will make world news. When those two witnesses come out and begin to um, do the, the the signs that they're going to be doing, causing it not to rain, doing the plagues that uh, Moses did in Israel in Egypt, it will be very obvious that the tribulation has started. That hasn't happened. Before the mark of the beast can take place, those two witnesses have to be killed in the streets of Jerusalem. Their bodies have to lay there for three and a half days, and then they ascend up. That has, that will make world news. And the Bible says everyone's going to see it. Everyone is going to see them killed. Everyone is going to see them laying in the streets all over the world. That hasn't happened. I'm saying all of this to say that the vaccine is not the mark of the beast. Biblically, it cannot be the mark of the beast. Um, 
But at the same time, if you don't feel comfortable taking it, that's your choice. I haven't taken it. I have no intention of taking it. I I don't really like the fact that the government looks at me and says, hey, you got to go stick a needle into your arm. If I'm just being real honest, that's probably Luke being stubborn and hard-headed. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I've been told that a few times. Anyway. Uh, we have taken all of our time just on this one point, that midpoint of tribulation, but there's so much that takes place there. But it is at this point that the peace treaty is broken, the daily sacrifices are done away with. Israel, man, that's going to get us to our next point. I'm not going to do that. Um, the mark of the beast is instituted. The Antichrist turns against Israel, and that is our next point, the invasion of Israel, but we don't have time to get into it. We're already overtime um but this midpoint it is so crucial and really with the mark of the beast and everything being said uh about the vaccine and stuff right now i do really want to try and dispel that there are things that have to happen i believe the rapture could happen at any moment i don't think anything has to happen i have no problem saying that i think that it makes sense to say that the um, uh, War of Gog of Magog from Ezekiel 36 through 39, um, I think it makes sense to say that happens before the tribulation, but it, before the rapture, but it doesn't have to be. There could be a gap. A lot of people do say there's a gap between the rapture and the, and, yeah, the beginning of the tribulation. I don't see that in the scripture. Could be there. Um, I believe that the third temple is either going to be built before the tribulation or right at that beginning point up into the tribulation because they got to do the sacrifices and the cleansing and all of that. Um, but nothing has to happen before the rapture of the church. But before the mark of the beast, there are some very specific things that have to happen. And that all takes place right at the middle of the tribulation. Man, that middle part, whoo, it is going to be some transition like you have never seen. Um, the Antichrist takes full authority on earth. He uh, solidifies his reign. He begins a huge persecution, um, which really is our, anyway. I'm not going to get into all of that. We are out of time. Uh, but anyway, I do think that when you begin to look at that midpoint, it shows you we are not in the tribulation right now. Those things that have to happen at the beginning point of the tribulation and on up, we're not in it. That hasn't started yet. There's not the two witnesses. There's uh, The peace treaty hasn't been signed. Um, these things are future. That's why I call it, so I've been calling this series, Things to Come. Um, the Mark of the Beast is not here right now. It is not. Don't let someone lie to you and say, hey, don't if you take that vaccine, you're done with it. You can't be saved. That's not true. Biblically, that is not true. They are pulling things out of context. Entirely out of context. That is not going on right now. Um, in light of all that we have seen today, and maybe we only got through one point, but that's okay. We'll, the other ones will go faster. In light of all that we have seen today, let's go out and let's do as Jesus told his disciples in Luke 10 and 2. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's wake up. 
as a church. Let's go out to win a lost world. Let's be serious about this, about seeing our lost loved ones saved. Uh, Let's win a lost world for our Savior and God, Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening uh, to the podcast. Leave comments. Uh, Let me know what you're thinking. Tell me if you disagree. Tell me if you agree. Uh, I love Bible prophecy, and I can... I mean, I can talk about it for a long time. I love it, but um, it should be an encouragement to us. But Lord bless, and you all have a good day.